present the views of Radio Free Brooklyn, its staff, or management. Thank you for listening, and have a dope day! Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. Well, how are all God's blessed and highly favored people doing? Blessed in Jesus' name, I'm sure. And I hope that you all had a wonderful week. My week? Can I tell you about it? You know I'm going to tell you about it anyway, right? Whether you wanted to hear it or not, you know I'm going to tell you. My week was truly a learning experience. And I want to tell you, didn't my words come right back on me 
fast, and in a hurry. And those words being, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So if you're unaware of what I'm referring to, go to my show page on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and listen to last week's show. And if you go into my archives, you'll find all my shows that I have recorded previously here on the radio. And you can also find them on all other podcast platforms. But I was tested this week. I was tested last week, I should say, because this week is already just starting. So no, Jesus, I'm not claiming I'm going to be tested this week. I was tested last week. And I must say, the enemy caught me sleeping. Now I'm going to tell you. And I should have been vigilant, especially, especially after the word that I gave last Sunday on recognizing the attack. Uh, Duh. I talked about it, right? Well, can I tell you that at first I did not recognize it? I did not recognize it at all. And you you want to know why I didn't recognize it? And this is a warning for some of you. And like I said, when things happen with me, and excuse my voice if it sounds a little, I don't know what, I guess it's the change in the weather, or I don't know what it is, but something's getting in my voice, in my nasal cavity. It's just, but it's not a cold. It's not a cold and it's not a sore throat. It's just something enough to irritate me. But I just hope my voice doesn't sound irritating to you guys on the, on the, on the air. So what was I saying? Oh, because it came from a place that I didn't expect it to come from. And that's what I want you guys to be aware of also. And I probably mentioned it last week, but of course, Most of the time when I'm talking to you, I know what I'm saying. But then sometimes if the spirit takes over, I'm just talking and it's just giving you word. So it came from a place and I want you to be very, very keen on this. Pay attention to everything. Because it came out of nowhere. I was totally surprised. And that just let me know that. No one can be completely trusted. And I'm not saying that you walk around and distrust everyone. What I'm saying is everyone has the potential to be used by the enemy without them being aware that they're being used by the enemy. Even ourselves, we could have the potential to be used by him as well unless we stay on our game, paying attention to all fronts, and making sure that he doesn't have a chance to creep in, that we don't open a door for him to get in. So I spoke last week about how we were, you know, could be attacks and when we're doing the work of the Lord. So I was, I talked about what I talked about on the show last week. I was actually ministering to a young lady during the week. And this is the the same exact day that all this took place. The message I had to give her was so heavy and so on point. The woman was so in agreement with what the Lord was saying because it was like she she needed that confirmation. And I did not know any, any. When I started speaking to her, I had no idea that this had been words she had been hearing from family members. Not only her family members, her immediate family members even knew the situation. So I wasn't even aware of what the situation was. But as I started speaking to her and when she was just talking to me, the more the spirit was talking to me to give this message to her. Needless to say, when the woman left, she was 
totally, you know, Lord had done what he had to do. And I was happy that he had done what he had, had to do, what he had to do. And then earlier that week, I had gotten a call from someone that I had no idea that they had been listening to the show. And it was a, a, a random call, you know, just talking to someone, a, a woman I had met from a while ago. And she just so happened to start saying, yeah. And because we just got on a conversation of just talking about God and how good he is. And she says, yeah, and, you know, your show is such an inspiration to me. I was like, wait, my show? She's like, yeah, I follow you, blah, blah, blah. And she started going on and on and on. And that took me by surprise because I had no idea that this woman was listening to the show. So I say that to say two things. Remember how I always tell you, do what you're supposed to do. Get on your point, your mark, because there is someone out there waiting for you to do what you have to do. Everyone is connected to every other person, right? We said about the ripple effect on the lake when you toss that pebble. It's just you don't know how far out the reach is going to go. So with those two things, giving God praise, here comes the enemy. He's like, oh, you want to keep thinking like, oh, everything you're doing is so great and so perfect for God. Well, boom, here, handle this, right? But I learned from that, I learned from the attacks that this is not a game. And we've often said that, right? Spiritual warfare is not a game. And, and I will say, in the beginning of my walk as a Christian, yeah, I used to say, I used to hear spiritual warfare. I used to read about it, but it was always to me something so far removed, like, ah, uh, you know. Now that I'm here and I'm in the trenches, as they used to say back in the day, it's not a game. And you have to pay attention to if we're going to play this game, we're playing to win because Christ won. So we might have little battles, but we win all the time. So when he caught me off my guard this week, and it made me out of a character that I normally want to follow, meaning uh, he pulled a skeleton out of the closet that I was like, you know how hard it was for me to stuff her in there? You know how hard it was for me to get her to control herself? That person came out. She was like, hm, I'm here and I ain't going back in the closet right now because I'm dealing with this situation right here, right now. All it was so heavy on me that even after I left work, went home the whole entire night, I had to pray the entire night for that feeling of anger and rage to just leave me. And I think more of the anger and rage came from the fact that it was a person that I did not expect it from, the fact of the way it was done, because it was a total lie, right? And he, he is the father of lies. The enemy is the father of lies. And it was a complete outright lie. It was a lie against someone whom I know it should not have been directed towards. It was directed towards me, but they used somebody else instead, knowing that it, knowing that it would affect me. And it is just, you just have to, my warning just is to everyone, when you start to get yourself in alignment with the Lord, Know that you will be attacked. Know that he is going to come after you. 
because your light is shining bright. I know my light is shining bright. I know my light is out there. And the enemy sees it. And I know that Jesus has the front of me, the sides of me, and the back of me. Because the psalmist stated in 91.12, in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Right? But I replace the pronouns in here. And I say, in their hands they shall bear me up, lest I dash my foot against a stone. You have sometimes when you're reading these Psalms and these prayers and these promises, put your pronoun in there. Don't make it as you. When he was talking, he was saying you talking to a group. Make it me. Make it I. Make it towards yourself so you know that he's talking to you. Right? But trust and believe. I'm on alert now. Not saying that I won't be caught off guard again. I might be because he comes in different ways at all times and every time you elevate, it gets worse. But I was caught because I wasn't continually keeping my mind on what the task at what I was doing at hand. I let myself get distracted in the moment. And that's how I fell into the trap. So he got a rise out of me for a minute, but I recovered and I won't make that exact mistake again. And this brings me to the topic for today. We have freedom in choices. So now, I've been reading several books, and I know if you're like me and you, you're interested in several different topics at one time, you don't just sit down. Like before, when I used to read books, I would just read them, pick up the book and just read it and just, you know, just read the whole thing. Stephen King was my author, and I would just read the whole book. You know, you were so engrossed in it. Now, there's so many different books, so many different people are writing so many about so many different topics, and I'm on, and I'm on a different topic now. Everything I read more so has to do with, you know, awareness, making pe- oneself better, biblical, you know, teachings, um, commentaries, things of, like that. So whenever I could get my hand on a book that has to do with like and psychology, because that was my major. So if you, you know, if I'm in, you know, reading a psychology book and then I want to see how is it referencing towards the Bible, you know, how are they looking at things today? So I was reading this book on psychology and the Bible, and it was written by Jed Jurchenko, I think is his name. Jurchenko, I hope I said it right. And in it, he has a chapter about choices. And you know, when you're reading books, you don't read, like I said, I don't read it all the way through. I may pick through chapters, read it, see if it's something that catches my interest because I know what I know from the Bible of what that topic is about. But I'm like, hmm, let me see what they say about it. So I go and I read that chapter and see what they're saying. And I was, I was, you know, quite impressed that what he was writing was a lot of what we already have talked about here and a lot of the way you know, some of us are living now. So it was this chapter that he had on choices. And to me, it it went right along with everything that we talk about, about our journey. So the journey that we're, I say the journey that we're presently on is a result of choices that we've made. And we've talked about that. When you make choices, how God has given you choices, right? So if you think back to the decisions that you've made in your life, you will see that one decision change the entire course of your life. And we had called that, you know, getting distracted, going on another road, but the road will ultimately lead you back to where you were going initially. It might have been a longer journey, but you will get back on the road to where you should have been. And it could have been for good or for bad, but either way, it changed your life. 
And in the chapter that I was reading, the author quotes another author by the name of William Glasser, stating that William Glasser says, it is almost impossible for anyone to continue to choose misery after becoming aware that it is a choice. So when you think about it, that makes perfect sense. Because it's absolutely true. When you choose to be happy or angry or sad or glad or poor or able to make money or, you know, go to work or you fill in the blanks of whatever is in your life. You don't have to stay there because you you know that there's another alternative. So we all possess the ability to choose how our life will end. Well, not will end. God forbid. No, we all have the ability to choose how our life will be and the changes that need to be made in order to accomplish our goals. Now, don't get me wrong. There are several things that we cannot control, right? There's just several things that are beyond our control, like where you were born, who your parents were, what culture you fall fall into, you know, ethnic background. You couldn't choose those. But you can choose to change the things that you have control over. And although society today wants you to think that you can change those things, right? It gives, to me, it gives people a false sense of understanding of how life is supposed to happen. Like, now with genetics, you can choose the sex of your child. You know, they've been doing that for years. You want a boy with blonde hair, blue eyes, six feet tall, I don't know, athletic. All those things, they're now, they've been manipulating for years in the lab to get you exactly what it is that you want to have. And we know that goes against nature because God was, okay, whatever you get is what you get, right? Really? I mean, when you when people conceive children, you don't know what you're going to get. You get what you get. But when you go by what they're doing in the lab, yeah, you're going to get what you went and paid for, which is not the way life was supposed to be produced. But we're not getting into that because that's a, a totally different topic. We're talking about choices here. So with those things, God is only supposed to be in control of those areas. But he gave you the ability to make choices that could affect your life. Because in Deuteronomy 30, 15 to 19, ugh, what is wrong with me? In Deuteronomy 30, 15 to 16, God tells us, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. So God tells you straight out in Deuteronomy, he gave you a choice, life and good or death and evil. It's one or the other. And all those little things that fall in between will either take you to one side or the other. Then he says, if you go to verse 20, Actually, when you start from verse 19, he says, 
I have called heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. So at that moment, he was telling the children of Israel, and us for that matter as well, that he has given us a choice and that we can choose to live. He goes on in the verse to says that he wants us to choose life because that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. So the chapter goes on, the chapter of the book goes on, and it talks about how if we make positive choices, we can improve the situations around us. Whereas you just know from the verses that I just read from the Bible, that's exactly what God was saying. That's exactly what the Lord was saying. If we make the positive choice to choose life, we're going to have life. Our days will be long. We will hear his voice, right? So the, the author says that he uses the analogy of a snowball. And he says, it's like a snowball rolling down the hill. And everybody knows a snowball when it starts rolling down the hill. Not only does it build up momentum, but it builds up more snow around it. So the, the snowball gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So he uses that as the analogy of our choices that we make in life. And he says that, The little insignificant choices that we make every day can potentially over time have the ability to have a huge impact in our lives. Like the food we eat, if we keep eating cake every day, and I use cake as an example because that's my favorite dessert. If we keep eating cake every day, of course, we're going to get fat. If we don't exercise, whether we go back to school or not, if we you know, if we choose to do another skill or change our career or even elevate in the career that we're in, if we get married, if we stay single, if we put investment into, you know, relationships with friends, the list goes on. All these little things that we don't think are so important. Well, of course, getting married and stuff is important, but eating a slice of cake, eating a slice of pizza, having a drink every night. Doing that illicit drug. Oh, I just wanted to try it. There was no harm. We were hanging out. We were at a party. Everyone else was doing it. I never did it before, and I always wondered what it was like. I said, ah, let me just do it. Mm -hmm. You just do it. Oh, the next time. Oh, I liked it. You know, oh, we're doing it again. Not that I do it on my own. I never buy it on my own. I only do it if I'm out socially with my friends because they have it. I don't even know where to get it. Now it's, oh, yeah, I brought my own this time because the last time I was here, I ran into the person that everybody else gets it from. And now, you know, I gave him my number. So whenever I want it for myself, I could get it for myself. You know, I don't have to always, I don't always have to rely on Betty to get it for me. And now here it is. You're addicted. And I know it sounds so simplistic when I say it like that. And no, it doesn't happen like that all the time. But it does happen like that. Something so casual. 
And that's what the, I use it as an analogy because that's what the, the author is talking about when he was talking about it in the book. Something so simple, something so small that we think is no big deal. Oh, I'm just hanging out with friends. I never do this, but I'm trying it today because everybody else is doing it. I want to have a good time with everybody else. Leads you down to road to addiction. So he's saying just the little tiny insignificant things that we do over time can build up like that snowball and become a major impact in our life. So when I thought about that, when you think about it, that the power of choice that we've been given by God, we don't have to stay where we are at the moment. We have the power to change it. So if you're someplace where you don't want to be or you're doing something that you don't want to do or you want to do something that you wish you could have done, do it. Change your mind. Decide today, I'm going to do that. Not to the evil side, though. Not to the evil side. Because I know when I say that, it could go so many different ways. Yeah, you know what? I always wanted to slap that person across the street because she keeps putting, she keeps allowing her dog to just do whatever on the street and she never picks it up. No, that's not what I'm talking about. That is not what I'm talking about. It's not make a choice to just do that. No, keep the choice that you're going to be civil with your neighbor when it comes to her dog. Keep that choice. I'm saying personal choices for yourself when you Mm, you know what? I always wanted to take a cooking class. Do it. You know, I always wanted to learn how to bake a cake. Do it. We have been giving the power to change. And we have to make the most of what God has given us to do in the work that he wants us to do. That goes back to what I've always said. What has God told you to do? What has God given to you that you have to work and you're not using it to get where you need to be? Like when we talked about the widow last week. She had stuff right there in her hand and she thought she didn't have anything. But God can bless what you have right there in your hand when you choose to use the talents that he's given you. And when we put to work the gifts that God has given all of us, and I'm not talking about the gifts that we wish we had, and those are the ones that we're pursuing. Well, I wish I could sing, so I'm going to take voice lessons. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the actual gifts that God has given you. No, I can't sing, but you know what? I am very good at Writing instructional, instructional manage, ma, um, what do you call those things? Manuals. I'm very good at putting everything detailed and in order. But I sure wish I could sing, but that's not the talent God gave you. You could sing, but no, you're not going to make a career out of singing. But he made you where you're detail-oriented that yes, you can sit there and you can lead a seminar and give people instructions on how to do whatever it is that they need to do because you know how to put it in order where people will understand what is going on. Use your talent that he's given you. 
And we've all been given unique talents. Because God has made us each to be unique and perfect individuals. So we have to make the best out of what we have in our life. We have to tap into ourselves. And this also goes with what he's saying about getting aligned. You're getting aligned with him, but a lot of us need to get aligned with ourselves first. Recognize what your talent is. Take some time to pay attention to who you are. And when we exercise self-discipline, we make better decisions overall. Right? Because we actually take the time to just stop and think about things and put things in order for ourselves. We make better decisions instead of when we act spontaneously and we just make choices haphazardly. And sometimes it could lead us down the road that we should have never gone. Proverbs 28, 26 tells us, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. But whoever walks wisely will be delivered. So in other words, yes, tap into what God has given you because you're paying attention to what he's saying to you. Not just, oh, I feel like doing. No. But actually really sitting down, understanding who you are in the Lord, what he has your talents as being, and then use those. And if we read a little further in that verse in Proverbs, well, if we start from a little further up coming down, that was Proverbs 28, 26 I read. But if we go back to 20, he says, a faithful man would abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. So we have to take responsibility for the choices that we've made. And only then can can we begin to see things as they are and begin to make the right decisions that will ultimately make our lives better. So when you take account of where you're at, think about how you got there. Then once you realize how you got there, you can then sit there to make the decision of, okay, I need to get out of this. What's my next step? And the next step, That is going to make it better for me. Yes, it's going to take some time because you can't, like I said, if you didn't do A, you can't jump to B. But if you take the steps, eventually you will get out of whatever it is that you're trying to get out of. And I'm a witness to that because it is so true. It is so true. You just have to make up your mind to do it. It's just all about, like like the Bible tells us, renewing that mind. It's your mindset, how you think. How you think is what you're going to be. As a man thinketh, so he is. And if you keep thinking negativity, you'll, you will be negativity. You will draw negativity towards you. But when you think positive, make positive choices, you will ultimately have made good choices, which will land you in a better space. So... As I said, we can't control how the story is told about us, but we can control how we tell the story about ourselves, right? And who could tell your story better than you? 
You could still tell your story better than anyone else can tell your story. Because just think about in a movie. Let's take the movie, for example. You have all these characters in a movie, right? You're watching this movie. And as you're watching this movie, you have one character, something's happening to them, and they're making a decision, and you're like, oh, you see that that decision that they made, it, it wasn't the good, the best decision for them, right? And you're saying in your mind, well, why would you do that? You should have just went this way instead of going that way. Well, why did you tell him that? You should have told that to the other one. So you see how even in your life, if you look at your life as a movie, there are various characters that you interact with every day. So if you tell the right tale or make the right choice, it's going to then lead you to the right outcome, right? So you are actually directing your own movie. So it's all about the choices that we make. It's all about how we utilize the gifts that God has given us. And it's all about sticking to it and being consistent with it as well. And yes, we can't control everything that goes on in our lives. But there are a lot in our lives that we can control. And we choose not to. But if we choose to take control of the parts that we can, we should always choose the positive. Make the decisions that will ultimately have the best effects on our life. Or as God states, choose life so that you and your descendants will live. And with that, I think it's time for us to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, what Brooklyn sounds like. may be darkest, but your light is greater. You light our way, God, you light our way. When evil is rising, you're rising higher with power to save, with power to save.
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. And in Op-Ed today, I'd like to start off with, because it is Black History Month, for all of you who are not aware, February is always Black History Month. And I found this story so fitting to start off Black History Month with. So here, 
The Florida School Board has placed a ban on AP African American Studies in public schools. The state's Department of Education wrote last month that the course significantly lacks educational value. They stated that they would consider a revised curriculum with lawful, historically accurate content. Now, Governor George DeSantis stated that this course amounted to indoctrination. And he has repeatedly stated that Florida is a state where, air quotes, woke goes to die. Now, when I heard that in the news, of course, you know, I was like, what? Wait, what? They can't have African-American studies in public schools. But why not? I remember. I remember when I was in school, their version of African-American studies when we were in elementary was to talk about slavery, right? To talk about how, you know, black people, they would always say black people were brought over here as slaves. And of course, me being in a predominantly white environment in school, everyone would look at me like, you were brought over here as a slave. You know, when you're young, kids don't understand. They only go by what they hear. That's why it's so important what you say to a child because they only go by what they hear and they have their own imagination to try to figure out, well, what is it I just heard? She just said black people were brought over here as slaves. He is black. Was she brought over here as a slave? That's what you that's what you get when you're in fourth and third grade when you say black people are brought over here as slaves and you don't give a time point and you don't go into detail. You just give a blanket statement and then everybody thinks that's so. Right? So fast forward to today. Or no. Let's go back into when we were in history class. Yes, and they would talk about the different parts of Europe and they would show Greece and they would show uh, Italy with the Leaning Tower of Pisa and they show Belgium with the Arc de Triomphe and all this and that and everything was so beautiful. But then when they went to the continent of Africa, everyone was in a jungle, running around half naked. That's the picture that they depicted of black people then. So it stands to reason why a lot of Adults today think that those things are still true because even though they know it's not true, they remember what they were taught in school. And if that's what the, if that's the picture that they had of black people, then, you know, all they do is run around in the jungle and now they get over here and they want to act like they're still running around in the jungle. But if that's all you know, that's all you know. So that's why it's so important to educate yourself. And I wonder if they've changed when they do, you know, when they talk about the continents and they talk about Europe and Africa as a continent now. If they show how African countries have evolved and they like the technology that they have and how they've gone in and tried to totally rape the entire land of all its riches and Go. I wonder if they tell that part of the history. But let's get back to what DeSantos is talking about, okay? Because that has a lot to do with it, too. So now we have, we have DeSantos saying 
you know, that this is where woke comes to die. And anything you teach about African-American studies is indoctrination. So then I, when I heard that, I was like, indoctrination? What's going on? What is he talking Who's being indoctrinated into what? You're talking about slavery, what you're indoctrinating people to do what? But then when I took a deep dive to see exactly why the course was being banned, the governor goes on to say that if this course on black history, if this is a course on black history, he says, what does it have to do with queer theory? I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. If this is a course on black history, what does it have to do on queer theory? And he said, why would queer theory be a part, an important part of black history? So when he made that statement, I was like, you know what? How is that important part of black history? How did queer theory become an important part of black history? And then he stated that he feels it was an agenda being pushed on the children of Florida. And that there is a section on intersectionality, abolishing nations. And he looks at all the, not nations, abolishing prisons, excuse me abolishing prisons, and he looks at these views as political agendas. And the governor feels that any talks about reparation is a political viewpoint and should not be taught in school. This is what he says. So then there's the president of the Education Association, Frederick um, Ingham, and he said that it saddened him that the governor feels this way, right? And if you can't teach the truth pertaining to African-American people without discussing reparations and slavery, you know, why can't those things be discussed? But then I thought about it and I said, okay, this is an AP class. So an AP class is an advanced class of whatever it is that you have learned in school. So you can't take advanced classes unless you're on a particular level when you're in school. So if you're in high school and you're taking AP, AP classes, that means that you've already surpassed what the regular classes were giving you. And you're on a level where you can understand and now take in this new college level learning. So it's not like everybody in the school or everybody in the public school system will be allowed to take this class. And it's an elective. So you have to choose to take that class. It's not a mandatory class. AP classes are chosen. They're not mandatory. But I do understand where the governor is coming from. And I understand it in a sense of you do have to tell the story. And I say stick to the fact. Stick to the facts of the story. So, yes, you have to have the hard discussions surrounding reparations or the thought of reparations, reconstruction, slavery, all that Jim Crow, all that did happen. But then I have to think about and say, how did they squeeze queer issues into that part of the study? I'm trying to understand how is that? forming of African-American history here in America. And then when I see that 
they're banning African-American history, I mean, African-American studies, but they're keeping AP classes when it comes to European history, German history, Chinese history, Japanese history. So I said, okay, if they're keeping all those other histories, AP classes that people can choose from, but they want to ban African-American studies, then I would have had to, I would have to look in deeper, but I'm just posing the question. Cause as you know, I always put the question out there to you people and let you go and do your own investigation on it. It's just for me to bring you the information like this and see what you want to do with it. So I said, if they have a class on European history, are they going to teach about Caligula? I mean, is he a part of that? Do they have a chapter on him in there? In, when they talk about European history, do they talk about that? And if they're talking about German history, I know there's a chapter on Adolf Hitler. There's got to be a chapter on Adolf Hitler in there. And not the chapter about how he, you know, killed over 4 million Jews in the Holocaust. Not that part chapter. No, I don't want that part of his story. I want the part of the story that led up to him doing that. Do they have that part in there? I want to know. Do they have that part of the story? Not what afterward. I want to know the, the beginning part of what led to him doing that. I want to know, do they teach that in the German history? And in the Chinese history, do they teach about how they had all those opium dens in China? And how everybody was always just freely getting high? I want to know when they're teaching this history of all these other cultures, what's really in that class that, when they're teaching about African-American and there's slavery and reconstruction and Jim Crow, that those things can't be talked about. And I totally get it with the, the queer theory. Now that part kind of threw me off because if you talk about the queer theory and I guess that should have been a part, that should have been a chapter in everybody's in everybody's story, right? In everybody's AP class. In AP Europe, it should have been a queer theory. In AP Germany or German history, it should be a queer theory. In AP Chinese, there should be a queer theory in there too because queer people come in all cultures, right? I mean, last I heard, last I understood. So why is it just only in the African-American studies that you're putting queer theory, but in all the other studies, queer theory is not a chapter in it that everybody needs to know about. That's what's baffling me. And I kind of understand, I think I understand, because when I was asking that question, it's almost like my spirit told me, well, you know why queer theory is lumped into African-American history. And I was like, no, I don't. Then I said, yeah, you do. And the reason why I think that queer theory is lumped into African-American studies is because of the civil rights movement. Because everybody takes the civil rights movement as an opening, as a door for everybody to walk through when they want to be equality. You know, whenever there's equality on the table, everybody runs back to the civil rights movement. So it automatically goes back to African-American people. And it goes back to African-American people is because African-American people were the one that led the led the charge for civil rights. So if anybody else wants to walk through that door, of course you have to walk through that door. You have to pass us to get through it. So I think that's why they put it in there. But to me, I understand what the governor is saying, that it doesn't have anything to do with African-American studies. 
So I say, let African-American studies be African-American studies. Let them talk about slavery. Let them talk about Jim Crow. Let them talk about reconstruction. Let them talk about reparations. Let them talk about everything that's happening that has happened, systemic racism. Let them talk about it. But then have an AP class on the query. I mean, queer theory. Just have an AP class on that. If you want to have if you want to have that topic talked about, let them have an AP class for that. And then you can't have the governor banning African American studies in public schools. Because everybody has a chance, everybody deserves to have a chance to be heard, right? And I'm like everybody does have a chance, you know, deserves a right to be heard, but don't crowd don't crowd the African-American studies. Don't crowd that. Let the African-American studies be what it is and then just make a queer theory study and keep it separate, right? So then nothing gets lost in translation. Nothing gets lost in what you're trying to say in your message. That ends op-ed. Oh, and I see my time is growing short, but this is February, so I got to give you the word of the month. The new word of the month is da-da-da-da, dedicated. Devoted to a task or purpose, having single-minded loyalty or integrity. Goes right along with what we're doing on this journey. And our promise for the week will be, coming from Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And with that, I say, everyone have a beautiful, lovely Sunday. It's starting to get warmer up here in the Northeast. They were trying to freeze us out the last two days, but we are warming up. Enjoy your Sunday. Be safe. Enjoy your family, your friends. Spread love. Make your positive choices so that they impact your life in the long run. And until we meet again next week, God willing, peace. stand right now Everything is crashing down And I wonder where you are I try to find the words to pray I don't always know what to say But you're the one that can hear my heart
brought me here. You know the story. 